Hey guys, welcome back to True Crime Archives. Um, today we have a pretty lengthy case. It's kind of all over the place. There's a lot of information. Um, we're going to be talking about the Oklahoma Girl Scouts murder that took place um, June 13th of 1977. Um, it's like I said, there's a lot of information. It's all over the place. So we're just going to kind of, you know, talk it out uh, with you guys, me and my dad and just discuss it. All right, excellent. I'm excited. Um, so what? Where do we start? There's a there's pretty extensive um, timeline. Yeah, that's and like sort of impor- important. Looking through all of our notes between like your notes and my notes, Dad, there's I mean there's a lot of conflicting information. There's so much to this case. Um, so it is about three girls: um, Lori Farmer, Michelle Go- Goose, and Doris Milner. Um, they're between the ages of 8 and 10 years old, and they were a part of the Girl Scouts in Mays County, Oklahoma, um, in, ni- in the 70s, in 1977. It's it's right just northeast of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you drew a, a, a slash from the top right corner of Oklahoma to the bottom, it would be almost to the top right right corner. It's uh, up just, there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Between Tulsa, just northeast of Tulsa. Um. So... I have a little definition of the Girl Scouts just to share with everyone. Um, So it says that the Girl Scouts prepares girls to empower themselves and promotes compassion, courage, confidence, character, leadership, entrepreneurship, and active citizenship through activities involving camping, community service, learning first aid, and earning badges by acquiring practical skills. So this is a pretty um, awesome organization, you know, next to the Boy Scouts as well teaching kids, you know, val- valuable life lessons. And there's no way that anybody knew what was coming the the night of this this camp out that they had. Yeah. I can't even imagine even, you know, being in the Boy Scouts that you guys ever thought that anything would like that would happen to any of either of the organizations. Well, it, it, when I was growing up in the 70s, we we weren't thinking about these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but as it turns out, this kind of thing was actually happening all around, but we, we never thought about those things in the Boy Scouts. Yeah, the 70s was kind of a big time for a lot of murders, so it, it's crazy to me to think that no one thought that um, anything was going to happen, but there's a lot of murders that well, took place remember, in the 70s. So we weren't engrossed in front of the TV. Of course, we certainly didn't have social media. We didn't have all the electronics, and the TV just had, not that we lived in the olden days, but it, the TV didn't have cable necessarily yet. Uh, shortly afterwards, we had MTV, I remember. But you, so you, your dad was and mom was watching, or your grandparents in this case, were watching the news at, at dinner time. And so it just wasn't plastered all over the place. So we had no clue. We didn't know what was going on in those days. Yeah. Um. So this... It takes place uh, June 13th, 1977. The girls are getting ready to go off on a two-week camping trip with the Girl Scouts. Um, so they arrive at the camp um, around 6 p.m., and it's actually storming when they get there. So, uh, you know, they get settled in their prospective tents. There's eight tents um, at this specific camp. The counselor's tent is at the very front and they're kind of set up in like a semicircle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these three girls happen to be in tent eight, which is at the very end. So at the end of that little semicircle, um, which that'll come in conversation. I have some things to say about that <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a, it's a semicircle. Where are the counselors at this point? So they're Where at the, their, tent? their tent is tent one at the very, so it's going to end up being the exact opposite of tent eight. So it's about 
what did I say? 86 yards away from tent eight. So if you're looking, if you're facing this semicircle, the council's tent is on the left, and then it, tent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and tent eight is all the way to the right. Mm -hmm. Now, can the council's tent see tent number eight? So from what they said, no. They had no direct line of sight from everything that I've read. They could not see tent eight. And then if you look at the maps that we have, the pit, the aerial maps of how this is set up, there's a structure in the way. I think it's the, like the bathhouse is what we probably would have called it. Right. It, it, it's actually in the way. Right, which that as a parent now infuriates me. I don't understand that. Um, well, I can tell you in the Boy Scouts, we'd have probably killed to have um, 10-8, you know, knowing that the council yeah. could, couldn't see you. Yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's that's important, perhaps maybe down the road. But that's, from my understanding, you guys did things similar too. Like you were set up in a semicircle. Yeah. It, it, you know, the kids were in the tents and then the troop leaders, they were called the counselors, whatever. They had their own tent. Okay. Yeah. That I makes think, no sense to me. <laughs> I, th I remember reading, though, that this case may have potentially changed how the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts do business. Um, perhaps they have counselors spread out throughout the, the tents. I, I don't know. It, it may have um, – somebody said that. See, the problem with this case is there's a lot of, like, opinions and anecdotal information that you can get caught up in. So it's it's hard. Yeah. It, and it's hard to sift through that. I should have said, too, this is technically an unsolved case. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yep, there's – there's yeah there's information all over the place and opinions and okay we'll get into that um okay so it's at this point storming so the girls all go into their prospective tents um these three specific girls uh they were writing letters back home to their parents um so you know no one had any idea what was coming um and then you know later into the night um a couple of other tents a couple of other girls from the other tents uh, would later report that they, you know, heard someone coming into their tent or saw someone coming into their tent. Um, and then we have two camp counselors that woke up, um, one at around like 1 a.m. She woke up and she saw a figure. Um, and so she got out to investigate. Um, but when she went out there, she figured it was just another camp counselor. So she goes back to bed. Um, and then at around 3 a.m., another camp counselor is going to wake up and she actually hears screams. <laughs> And what did she do when she heard the scream? Uh, she, again, goes out, but she assumes that it's just all of the girls laughing and playing because, you know, girls, when they're having sleepovers, we laugh and play and scream and are having fun. Um, so she just assumes that it's the girls just having fun, and so she goes back to bed also. So that's good context, right, when, you're, when you get to the investigation point, right? Mm -hmm. If I heard, I heard three girls screaming and I went back to bed... I'm going to want to talk to that person, that witness, a little bit more. Yeah. Right? But if I hear... So I, I woke up and I heard just a bunch of girls screaming, having a pajama party. It, it seemed like they were they were being girls and they were screaming, having fun. Uh, that's a little bit more context. Well, so with that, though, she does go on to say that when she describes what she heard, mm -hmm. she says at one point it doesn't sound like it was human, and then it doesn't sound like it was animal. Yeah, that's so we're gonna so, put that. That's the first piece that goes into the hmm category right now that we'll yeah. either discuss or, or leave open. But I, I don't understand what what that means, and I can't find any information where anybody elaborated. Well, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? That was all that she said was that it didn't sound animal okay. and it didn't sound human. All right. um, 
so. Okay, so we got a couple witnesses heard some things. Right. Um, and then, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily blame them the more I think about it for them going back to bed because they're right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're not thinking anything bad is happening. Um, but, of course, at this time, everything is mm-hmm. going down. Um, so the camp counselor that woke up at 3 a.m. and heard the noise, I believe you have her name on yours. Yes. Uh, Wit. Whittle? Whittle. Oh, Carla? hold on a second here. Carla Wilhite. Okay, so Carla Wilhite is the one that woke up and heard the noise, heard the screaming. Um, so at around 6 a.m., she wakes up, and she's going to go take a shower in, uh, you know, again, what we're assuming is that building in the middle of the semicircle. Um, and about 150 yards away from Tent 8, she actually finds uh, one of the girls, and then 100 yards away are the two other girls, and they're found in their sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is the one that finds them. And uh, alerts the other counselors who then alert the police. Um, So then at that point, it's, you know, they shut everything down. The police immediately arrive. Uh, They have really only been there for 12 hours at this point, too. And then they all immediately are sent home. And the camp is shut down. Yes, the camp is shut down. I I assume this, you know, when you read about it, it sounds like it happens right away. But I assume after the police talk to the witnesses and and such, um, but I did. I thought it. I read something else said it. It took a couple hours, so parents were maybe notified, and and the buses had to had to come back and and pick them all up, and they left. So what I read the, again, it was a little conflicting. It was a little confusing. The few things that I read. At one point, I read that the parents actually had to drive down there to pick up their kids, um, but the parents were not notified of what was going on. They were uh, just okay. told. It's over. It's over. Come You're get right, the kids. Right. Come yeah. get the kids. Um, and then I think things were starting to be reported, and some of the parents, you know, kind of had an idea that something bad was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just weren't sure. And then they got there, and again, when they got there and saw the kids, no one knew. They just saw their kids, and then you know, these three parents were like, "Where are my kids?" So, and the camp's been shut down ever since. Yeah, it's still standing. Like, it's still there. It's under uh, new ownership. Um, and, like, the tents are still up. It's just, you know, been overgrown by vegetation. Okay. They just haven't gotten rid of it. All right. So now, who's. So the police are there for a murder investigation, triple murder investigation. Yes. So now they begin looking for any kind of evidence. Um, and there is quite a bit of evidence. Mm hmm. So there is quite a bit of evidence between um, hair and some semen that they found. They also find uh, glasses spread across the campsite from all of the different girls and some of the counselors. So it looks like he was, you know, in the middle of the night going into tents and taking off people's glasses and spreading them across the camp to, you know, maybe distract some people. Wasn't there something about... The glasses were taken the week before or, or so. OK, so about three months. So back in April. Um, so it was two months prior. The counselors actually all went out to this um, campsite to do a training weekend. Mm-hmm. And that weekend, one of the tents had been ransacked and some glasses had been stolen. And there was actually a note that had been left um, that was threatening to kill three girls in tent one. Um, but. The administrators chalked it up to being a joke because the note also talked about some, you know, aliens and um, random things like that. So they didn't report it, didn't look into it, kind of let it be. And those glasses 
that had been stolen that weekend will be later found um, in the cave that is going to be found. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> so that's, okay. that's a little bit later. Okay, so that's not yeah. the glasses that we're those, talking about. Okay, no, okay. those aren't the glasses. All right. These, so what it was is that he was taking off glasses or taking glasses from the sleeping girls and the mm-hmm. counselors, whoever wore glasses, and spreading them around the you know the camp. So kind of you know the idea is that like maybe when they woke up, if they woke up to the screams, they wouldn't be able to see. So, so it would, he was, it would be harder to find him. Or find so what was is going the on. is the belief that he was prowling around and he was actually in more than one tent? Yeah. So there's been multiple girls that have said they've seen they saw someone coming in or they heard someone coming in their tent. So that's wow, and then that's later on when the dogs uh, they bring in canine to mm-hmm. you know sniff out I his scent, right. they're going to actually go by the counselor's tent, which again is what did I say, eighty six yards away. Right. And so. Uh, they pick up his scent by the counselor's tent. So what it seems like is that he was all over this campsite all throughout the night, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is a little crazy when you think about it. I don't understand how more DNA evidence wasn't left. I know. So, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the police are there. They're investigating. You're talking about the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then he was also actually wearing women's glasses when he was eventually arrested mm-hmm. too. So that's more evidence. Um, uh, they did find. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about who he is in in, yeah. in a minute. We keep saying he, and we kind of <laughs> we kind of jumping jumping the gun because we did we did tell everybody that this is a cold case. Um, so we'll we'll get there. Right. We'll, we'll get there. Sorry, his name is uh, Jane Leroy Hart. There's gonna be a whole lot more on him. Right. Um, so we'll get yeah, there. We'll, we'll get we'll get there. We didn't mean to jump the gun, but we'll we'll get there. But it is still a cold case, so. Keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> Keep listening. Um, and so the rest of the evidence really is found in this cave that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a cave about, I want to say, I think it was like a mile or three miles away from the camp. Um, and there was actually rope um, found in the cave that matched the rope that was um, with the bodies. Mm-hmm. There was rope with the bodies. Um, and then there was also, I believe it was Doris's shoes i believe it was doris's her shoes were uh eventually placed on the stairs too so they found those okay they found some footprints but that that came later correct right right before they left so yeah. okay so they were still let, there let's back up for a second let's go so the three girls were fla- found dead in their sleeping bags by a tree that was how far away from the the tents um the the first girl she was like right by the uh she was right by the that building in the middle, and mm-hmm. then the other girls were found a hundred yards away from them, okay. from her in like the woods. And then the police keep doing this search. And how far away was this cave? The cave was about like a mile, a mile, mile to three miles. So now, so they it was a couple th- miles. They're kind of putting pieces together. Now they have this cave, and what did they find in the cave? So they found some pictures, um, some I believe there were some glasses, um, and then the rope also. What were the pictures of? Um, the pictures were of just some random girls. We weren't, they weren't sure right at the start of it. When but they, they found, found them. the glasses that were taken from the camp counselors the, the month, be- month before. Yeah, so it was either those or the ones he was actually wearing. There was, there's nothing that I've been able to find that's clear on which pair of glasses those are. But it was either the ones that were in the cave or the ones he was actually wearing. But Either one of those were definitely the ones that were stolen back in April. Okay, so that that's what I'm saying because it's it's hard to understand. So how 
when you read this, you got to go back and forth and you have to pay attention to the evidence because how they tie in to whomever was living in this cave back to this to this camp. And I believe it was through those glasses. It was the glasses and the rope. Yeah. So yeah. and how was the rope? And, oh, and then uh newspaper. There was actually newspaper. Sorry, it was Okay. There was also a uh, newspaper found um in a flashlight that was left by the bodies mm-hmm. matches the newspaper that was found in the cave also. Okay. So we have a connection to this cave. Somebody was in this cave and they'd been to this to this camp. But we but right now we know they were at the camp at least the, the at least in April. In April, right? Because the glasses were were missing. Mm-hmm. So and the rope, what was the sign the rope was just a piece of rope that was matched to um, um one of the girls I believe one of the girls. One of the girls was strangled. Not all three, just one of the girls was strangled. So it was with that rope. Now, I don't remember. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. So, so because we're trying to tie. Okay, because this now they're looking for somebody that's been around this this camp. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, go ahead. So, yeah. So, what happens? What happens next? Um, oh, let, let's talk about the um, so the sneakers, right? So th- that's what we need to talk about. So, right before, so we're gonna they they did a search. They were getting ready to do a search, but right right before the police were getting ready to leave. There was a private security company that was working. Yeah, and they saw it was them, and I believe the police were still there. Was, also, the police were still okay. Um, they saw a figure in the woods. They mm-hmm. kept seeing someone, and every time you know they would go and investigate it. And then one of the times that they went, like they left where they were at, uh, they came back and there was a bag with Doris Milner's shoes in the bag on the. And steps. they were wet allegedly. Yeah. And they were left on the doorstep too. What was the significance of that building? That the door. I think it was the headmaster or yeah, it the was, that was like the administrator's, administrator's building. building. Yeah, where um, they found. But when the security guard returned, that's that's where they they couldn't find this individual. But they returned. They found those, and it wasn't. Right. So you'll 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 read back and forth, and it wasn't an evidence bag, uh, is what they clarified. And the reason for that was, you know, were were was somebody trying to stage this or, or, or set this set, set this up so um but here we have more more evidence and somebody apparently being brazen and toying with with the police so we this murder happens we get plenty of evidence we have something tied out to this cave where somebody allegedly was living who could have been uh, who, who could have come into camp at all hours of the night the other interesting thing too is all three of the girls were not found in the same location one was over by the that that sort of bathhouse structure or or right and that's the uh that is the one that they believe uh he killed last that he um actually like made her walk out because then they end up also finding um like feet prints shoe Mm -hmm. impressions um with like a smaller footprint next to the bigger one so they do end up believing that he made her walk out and he carried the other two girls out yeah, this is just so he's, you know, there's three little girls and and you know how this has happened and I, it, it draws a lot of questions. Whether well, there's more, was there more than one person? Um, you know, how did he subdue them? Was one running away and he killed two and then went and killed the other one? Uh, th- this type of thing. But that's a good point. So there was supposedly sneaker footprints found in the blood. Yeah, in the actual tent. And in then the tent? they also found, you know, the footprints walking from mm-hmm. the tent to okay. where the girls were found. So at this point, you know, the the police were there. They had volunteers to do a search. 
But we, there's plenty of evidence. You know, we have this cave, we have the rope, we have footprints. Uh, also, the there was some blood as well. Is that correct? There was um, in the tent? I believe so, yeah. And uh, I didn't read much about the blood, though. The Most of the DNA evidence that I read was from the hair and semen. Okay. I think the blood was a little inconclusive on the, the sources that I read. Okay. So this is... You know, we caution when you go to research this, there's a lot of, like, public open source type information and, and people who are aware of it have posted stuff. And, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of speculation, speculation too, yeah. and, and confusion. So, because uh, the hair, too. When was the hair found? That's a good piece that was, of information. Yeah, that was found at the same time, like, when they initially did their uh sweep of the tent for okay. evidence that was found okay we'll we'll come back to that so a ha- piece of hair was fo- hair was found mm-hmm. uh rope glasses footprints this cave somebody's close they believe that there's somebody in the area so they're doing a search this seems to be a solvable case right it seems to be that way all right how do how do we get to the to the suspect how do they get to the suspect? So they, I mentioned earlier that they found pictures in the cave, like photographs, um, you know, that were developed. So they, their first thought was that if they could figure out who the picture was of, that maybe they could find who this person was, which I mm-hmm. think, you know, in my opinion, that's a long shot. You know, people have pictures, random pictures all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually, I forget exactly how um, – it said that they were able to find it. They were able to find the publisher, the, not the publisher, the um, where the photo was developed, mm-hmm. um, and they traced it back to Jean Leroy Hart, who I mentioned earlier, um, that he actually developed this these photos um, for someone while he was in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were able to trace them back to him, and he had actually escaped from prison. And was known to um, have grown up in that area. So they wanted to find him okay. immediately just to even question him. So, and he was escaped from prison as well? Yeah. So he had actually, he was arrested um, back in 1973. So four years prior mm-hmm. um, for kidnapping two pregnant women, women and raping one of them. Um, so he was actually sentenced to 300 years for that, for those two crimes. And he had escaped in 1973, like the same okay. year he was arrested and sent to prison. All right. So he's been, a, he's escaped convict. Mm-hmm. He's from the area. And we have these photos from this cave that they believe is tied to somebody having been in the camp and potentially tied to the murder of the three girls. And they tracked the pitches back to him having developed it. So now he's they're on a manhunt. They're 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 looking for him. And they have you know, I think they had two hundred law enforcement and four hundred volunteers um to search the camp within four miles of, of, of the camp. Now all so I mean at this time the there's a lot of information that they're saying they found a murder weapon. They didn't find a murder weapon. Maybe a crowbar was the murder weapon. They said they had suspects. They said they didn't have suspects. They said there was a fingerprint, too, also um, allegedly on the, these photos. And they said it was a picture-perfect uh, fingerprint. We're going to find out that that comes back uh, is, is not right. n- not good as well. Um, so uh, now they, they do this 
they begin this manhunt looking for what, what's his name again? Gene Leroy Hart. Gene Leroy Hart. Mm-hmm. And so he's a uh, a Native American, part of the Cherokee Indian yes, Reservation. And, yeah. And why is that important? That'll come up. Um, he had a lot of he had a lot of uh, support behind him mm-hmm. because you know of what how Native Americans believe, what they believe in, the type of people they are. Um, mm-hmm. So he had a lot of support behind him um, when he was arrested, eventually arrested. Um, also, the DNA, when mm-hmm. it comes to the hair that I mentioned earlier, um, they did try and test the DNA. I think it was the – they didn't actually – they couldn't well, they test did, it. They it did, was the, right. like, the similar. So right? they did hair samples in those days. So right. I, I think what you're talking about is that the DNA comes later. We'll talk about that later. They tried to get DNA from the hair. But they had a hair – and they were doing hair sampling, I recall. So right, so it wasn't the actual like DNA testing. Right. Well, yeah, right. So and but they do, they do enough testing to say, well, this piece of hair comes from an American Indian hair. So there's some right. DNA. It's hard. Uh, we're, this show is not designed to to get into <laughs> the, the specifics of DNA, but yeah. but as we know it today, DNA is solving cases. This is not the type of, of forensics yeah. they were doing. They were comparing hairs. They said this hair was that of uh, um, an American Indian. Native American. Native yeah. American. So it, they also actually were able to say one in 7,700 Native, Native Americans would match the DNA sample. Ooh. So they could not exclude him, but they also could not absolutely say it was him. And they're not doing this type of uh, forensics these days, hair. Right. When you collect a hair fiber from a crime scene, it's because you want to get the follicles. You want to you want to get the DNA out of the it. You want to extract DNA, yeah. the, the DNA out of it. Um, so they're not comparing hair hair samples. Um, so it's just not. And that, that was so. How, what was those numbers again? You so said? it's one in seven thousand seven hundred Native Americans would match the DNA. Okay, but in nineteen seventy seven. He was a Native American, and he was in that cave with pitches, or allegedly in that cave. There were pitches in that cave that that he had developed. You can see how they're they're starting to focus, or they have focused in on him. So, right, what there was a lot of pressure too, because so the American Indian movement showed up during the four hundred volunteers that showed up, and that that was AIM. And in the seventies, they were very very uh, powerful organization in, in for Indian rights and things. And in fact, they've they're known for doing standoffs with the police and FBI and, and such like that. So now, can you imagine the pressure mounting on the on the police? Yeah, to and to make sure that they get this right too. They don't want to just go in and arrest, you know, have blinders on and arrest the wrong person. Okay, so they do this search. Do they find them right away? Uh, no. So it actually took ten months, um, and then on April sixth, nineteen seventy eight. Um, he was found. Okay. So it was a 10-month manhunt. It okay. was the biggest manhunt um, at that time for that area. So back in – so this search – so June, July. So I read that around the 1st of July, this is when all law enforcement um, said, okay, we're done with evidence collection. And, and at this point, it's the local police. It's the Oklahoma State Bureau investigation. It was also the FBI. The FBI was brought in – on the 29th of June, they brought in 40 agents to assist. The National Guard was also uh, sent in uh, by the governor. So uh, there was quite a few um, people, quite a few law enforcement organizations there. But, yeah, sure, the 1st first of, first of July, um, 
they said we're done collecting evidence at that point. So, and, and that's a good good amount of time mm-hmm. that they're there from June thirteenth to. Mm-hmm. So that's about a couple of weeks that they were there collecting and, evidence. And sort of to clarify, so we kind of jumped to it earlier. We said, you know, when they were done with the search, so it was after this point that 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 private security had saw somebody lingering in the woods, or, or and and then. Um, Doris Miller, Milner's shoes and socks were, were uh, left at the camp director's house. So, I mean, we kind of we got there really fast, but that's that's what had happened. And so it was rumored that that he was seen. You know, so everybody already believes he's from the area, and he, it was rumored that he there. that he was seen in the area. Um, uh, so that's that's what they believed. I mean, it, it's kind of vague when you go. Well, well, what type of eyewitnesses did they have? Um, Nevertheless, um, they were all aware that he was on the run mm -hmm. and from this area. Mm -hmm. So that's including from what I've read, the the camp counselors and the administrators of the Girl Scouts. Everyone in this area was aware that he grew up, you know, a few miles away from this camp. So So they were all aware. I can't remember. Was there a tip how they there was a tip or they finally they found him hold up somewhere and they went and. um yeah, and I've arrested him. His he was staying with a medicine man, a friend, mm-hmm. and I, from what I read, it seems like either he called the cops or another friend that knew he was staying there right. did call the cops. And they brought in a large number of law enforcement to go hint, go ahead and make the arrest. And when they got him, what did they notice he was wearing? The the female glasses. The female glasses. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know these like. Yeah, it just it just sort doesn't of look good. it doesn't look good. Maybe it's more, maybe it's camp. more circumstantial than than direct evidence. Um, and of course, he's he's Native American, so his hair um, is going to be similar. Uh, Native American hair, uh, you know, they're adding that up. Um, and but I don't. So all of a sudden, all this other stuff sort of. It, it gets lost in the in the discussion. You know, the footprints. Uh, I don't right. know if they did anything about the footprints. Not that I, I haven't really been able to find a whole lot of information on the footprints either. There's like there is a lot of information on this case, but then there isn't. It kind of goes back to all this circumstantial evidence where, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is speculating. And you're right. Like everyone does focus on all of the, you know, the circumstantial stuff. Okay. Um, which so my question is they were there for two weeks collecting evidence and again he was he was out and about for like 12 hours mm-hmm. he was out and about for maybe not, not 12 hours but he was out and about for a good few hours walking around this entire camp and they were there collecting evidence for two weeks so how you know how why does it take two weeks to collect evidence well, and how did they not have anything else it, it could remember um so they had the what was the acreage? I can't remember, but this is a pretty big camp, mm-hmm. and this cave was about a mile away. So evidence could have been anywhere from the camp where the crime scene was to that cave. Could have been footprints, could have been clothing, could could have been any number of things that they could have could have picked up. So they they're trying to tie him back to this camp, and and particularly on on that night. Um, what they probably needed to do was tie something from the camp or maybe DNA from the girls to, to him or to that cave, but it didn't seem like they, they had that. And again, you know, 
collection of DNA is always has been around for a while, but but for different purposes. Like I said, the hair. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to talk about that later on. Um, that there wasn't en- enough DNA, but again. The glasses, you would think that, that there'd be some DNA. Like nowadays, if you pick up my glasses here, uh, you know, you, you you might leave some DNA on it. We could we could swab that and we could get the DNA. Um, but right. that wasn't the uh, the way that it was happening in, in those days. Um, but, yeah, so you have footprints. You know, I, I don't – did we – I can't – is there anything about his shoes that he, that he was wearing? There was nothing sort of about that. Now there is an overarching theme in all the information that that we find that there was some discourse between the local district attorney's office, the and the police and the news media. Um, you know, the district attorney was was involved in this from from the early days, um, and then the news media was reporting things like uh, there was fingerprints, and then there wasn't fingerprints, and then there was one fingerprint, and then the sheriff had come out and said, "Well, the fingerprint wasn't wasn't good enough." Um, the mur- crowbar murder weapon that was even reported yeah. uh, at one point, um, which probably you know is part of the reason there is so much conflicting evidence because yeah. it goes back to when it was reported. At one point, the district attorney said, uh, "Media blackout. We're not giving you any more any more information." Um, so, can you imagine now? You're the investigator on the scene, and I think the primary investigators were the what was called the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, OSBI. Mm-hmm. A lot of states have this um, this type of investigation uh, unit, um, vice a, a state police investigative unit. Um, okay, so there's a lot of sort of circumstantial evidence, and then there's some ghost evidence that we're not really sure uh, what happened. But now he's they have him arrested. Right. Okay, so then he was um, arrested and convicted, or he was arrested and charged. Okay, so what time? What time are we at now? So in '78, he was uh, he was arrested, and when is his trial? That is what I could not find. I could not find the date or anything. Okay, so he's arrested I, and in '78 though. Okay, so he's arrested and he's. He's pen- he's pending trial. Okay, so we're he's arrested in April of 1978, and then he's going to go to the trial. Um, the the trial is is brief, um, and there's a lot of uh, controversy. Uh, the The town comes to his support. Uh, the The American Indian Movement comes to his his support, um, and. He was actually um, a high school football star, too. So, And then this is a small town we're talking about. Um, so he was loved in his small town. Like, they remembered him from being the football star um, on top of him being a Native American. Like, he had a lot of support behind him. And and then, so the news articles start start coming. Here he is, the local guy, local local football hero. So it just everybody started portraying him as as uh, a, a local superstar, so to speak. Um, forget about the His fact that previous charge, yeah, <laughs> that he'd been on the run from from prison. So yeah, okay. I, so I don't understand that. So next episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you about the trial, what happened a, a, at the trial, um, and uh, what. 
what's been going on since then. Maybe we'll talk about DNA a little bit. Because remember, in the beginning, Hannah said this was a cold case. Right. <laughs> so even though we have someone arrested, uh, this is still a cold case. So, Okay, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are True Crime Archives Podcast on Instagram. Um, and then please rate and review the podcast and leave us any comments. We are excited to listen to all the feedback. And tune in next week to find out what happens. Music.